Support for WRFA is brought to you by Quadrant Biosciences, now providing no-cost COVID testing in Chautauqua County. Quadrant Biosciences has partnered with Chautauqua County to provide free COVID testing. For more information on how to schedule an appointment, visit quadrantbiosciences.com slash COVID testing. Support for WRFA is also brought to you by Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union. Southern Chautauqua Federal Credit Union provides credit union membership to people who live, work, worship, attend school, do business, and any other entities within Chautauqua County. For more information, including how to become a member, call or text 716-665-7000 or visit them on the web at 665-7000.com. And again, you are listening to Community Matters. We spoke with James Town Mayor Eddie Sunquist the day after giving his State of the City address and also the day after the City Council's voting session. We'll hear more about those two events as well as an update on the Board of Public Utilities annexation case. We have James Town Mayor Eddie Sunquist on the line with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Julie. Excited to be here. We've talked about what you're proud of achieving in 2021 when we talked to you in January. So now this week you've uh, released your State of the City address for uh, looking back at last year and looking ahead of this year. Can you tell us some of the things that you're hoping to accomplish this year as discussed in that address? Absolutely. So with this week we put out the State of the City address talking about, as you mentioned, 2021 accomplishments and what's the vision for 2022? You know, and we've, we have quite a big one. Uh, the the speech itself, the address, uh, is really focused on Jamestown having uh, strong roots but becoming a modern city. And we talked a lot about uh, the, the fact that as a city, we've always uh, really worked to overcome, adapt, and innovate uh, here in the city. Uh, whenever we've had a problem, we've, we've really done that. From bringing electric to uh, the masses by creating our own electric company, uh, to being able to, to float logs down a river and, and becoming a furniture titan of uh, industry here in the city of Jamestown. You know, we need to now shift our focus as a city on doing those exact same things, innovating and moving forward. Uh, so my State of the City address really talked about a couple main items that we have going into 2022. Uh, the first one was about creating a Vision Zero campaign uh, for the city. For those that aren't familiar that are listening, Vision Zero is the idea that we can have uh, safe streets that are designed for pedestrians, bikers, uh, drivers, walkers, scooters, whatever you'd like. Uh, It ensures that there are zero uh, liabilities and zero fatalities, injuries uh, on our streets. And that's by really educating uh, the public on how we can work together in transporting people uh, but also designing our streets in such a way that are friendly to pedestrians uh, as well as uh, drivers, uh, walkers, and anyone else in between. Uh, we had a couple other main items. I don't know if you want me to go through all of them, but uh, well, I'm happy to. I actually, yeah, I do want to talk about the other ones, but staying with the, uh, the Vision Zero uh, plan, you've mentioned in your address that you're applying for a grant through the state DOT for a Safe Routes to Schools grant, and Obviously, that that probably will play into this. I was wondering, has the city also, I don't know if you've adopted any complete streets efforts. I know with that kind of vision that that always looked at pedestrian and traffic issues at the same time. So what what are some of the actions you're taking uh, to either fund projects or or to make these streets safer? So the city has had a complete streets policy. 
policy in place for, for quite some time. Uh, but what we're finding out is that we're really not doing a, a good enough job to evaluate uh, the every street that we repair uh, for pedestrian traffic and other traffic. So we really wanted to double down on that. And so not only are we looking at a complete streets mentality, but we also need to start to look at safe school zones. Um, how are we uh, handling areas around schools, almost like creating security bubbles? How are we uh, working not only in downtown but residential neighborhoods uh, in on our streets? Uh, and more importantly, how are we designing our streets going forward? What we found is we've kind of just kind of kept the same design for every street. Uh, but what you're seeing now are places like Washington Street uh, that when it gets redesigned uh, and redone in the next uh, year or so, it's going to look completely different. It'll have uh, turning lanes for bikes, uh, bump outs for pedestrian traffic, uh, as well as some parking uh, and uh, dedicated bike lanes. It's going to be a, a much different look than people are used to, but it's meant to slow down the traffic, to get people to, to look and think as they're driving around, uh, and to make it safer for people that are just trying to uh, move around without a vehicle. Moving ahead, because as you mentioned, there are a number of topics that you did discuss in your address. And one of the ones that you touched on, we've heard a lot in the news, even in the last uh, month or two, is that the Chattaquoin River and the waterfront. So what are the things that you're looking at forward for 2022 there? So you're absolutely right. There's been a lot of news articles about uh, funding, not only from the state, but other uh, other partners for redevelopment of various uh, Chattaquoin uh, waterfront areas. So we have our Carmody Park Center area as well as the uh, the basin by the Warner Dam. Uh, we've uh, completed a, uh, a study and put out a, a master plan for the development of that area, um, kayaking, potential boat launch and boat docking, uh, really a redevelopment and reinvigoration of that area. Uh, so we're going to continue pushing forward on that, looking at a combination of state and federal funding to continue that redevelopment of that area, both for mixed-use commercial and other recreation spaces. But we've also started to really focus on the McRae Point area. Uh, that is going to start to see not only a world-class uh, skate park, but the redevelopment of buildings around that area, uh, installations of potential new uh, art house, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other things. And we're really targeting that entire area. So in, in places where we see a lot of resident, uh, excuse me, industrial, um, we're starting to see how can we clean up those areas? How could we potentially move industrial partners out and really make it a space where people can um, live and uh, recreate in? And so it's going to be a complete transformation of that McRae Point area, and we're really excited uh, to, to start to look and focus on how do we reclaim that space and how do we uh, really make it a, a place people want to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of transitions into your next point, which was that you had mentioned about making Jamestown a destination, obviously the McRae Point Park area with that new skate park opening this year, some point uh, will make that area a destination. What is it that uh, you mentioned about making Jamestown a hub for conventions? And maybe that's not, uh, I, maybe I wasn't, that may, may have not been the first thing I thought of that you were getting at for why Jamestown was a destination. And, I, and I'm curious, and that was a, something that stuck out to me, is that what makes this area good for that kind of activity? Yeah, you know, it's really incredible that we have an area that has such a low cost 
has so many things to be able to do, not only in the city, but around the city. Uh, has a really incredible uh, hotel spaces, uh, potential convention space, right? You've got the Northwest Arena. You've got the National Comedy Center, national attractions uh, here in the city of Jamestown, right? The Robert H. Jackson Center brings people internationally. The National Comedy Center brings people across the U.S. Uh, to see it. Um, we need to start to market uh, our city and move forward. We need to brand the city and really start a campaign to not only look at tourism, but investment. What we're seeing now is an uptick in home purchases. And as I talk to new home buyers uh, that are moving into the city, there is a, there's a huge number of people that are now um, working remotely, that are buying homes here that may have a connection to the area or really like the area, bought a home, and now they're working for companies out in California and other places, uh, living and uh, working here in the city of Jamestown. And so we have an opportunity to not only look at the city as a destination in terms of convention, but also for remote work and for internal and external investment. New businesses that want to, uh, to start up and uh, take part here, especially as the world continues to change with COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm going to skip over one of the topics and go because you're talking about people working remotely and that kind of work often requires internet hookup and you talked about broadband and what you're planning to do going forward with that uh, for municipal broadband. Absolutely. So we've been uh, really lucky to partner with uh, various foundations uh, as well as the Jameson Public School System and the Board of Public Utilities to complete uh, and work on a feasibility study to see what would it take for the city to really invest in a network that provides uh, low-cost and high-speed Internet uh, for everyone, businesses, residents, everyone in between. We've seen during the pandemic really the, the rise of a digital divide, how uh, you know, folks that needed or kids that needed to use the Internet to connect with their teachers in many cases couldn't. Uh, we also saw Internet providers like Spectrum and others uh, that if you ever had a past-due bill, even a dollar, they wouldn't give you the free Internet service. Uh, during the pandemic. So we, we look at these things and we say, how can we address them? How can we make sure that uh, not only our remote workers, but our kids have access to the Internet, that our uh, doctors can use it for telehealth in a secured uh, manner? Now, these are all things that we think of when we look at a municipal um, high-speed fiber network. And so we're really excited to uh, get to the point where we're going to have uh, an introduction to the public and others uh, of our study. What does it take? And at the same time, we're hearing both from our state and federal partners that there's funding that could come down the line for this. And so we're at the right time, at the right moment, and we're very, very excited because if we do go forward with it, the city of Jamestown will be the first city in all of New York State uh, to have such a network. Thinking of James Sound being possibly first in other things, talk about cannabis. Uh, we've, and you and I have talked about cannabis and what is happening with um, the legalization of recreational use and also how that affects uh, industry here in Jamestown. What are some of the goals for to accomplish this year? As I mean, I, I imagine things are still kind of moving at a slower pace at the state level than we had than maybe you had hoped. Uh, with rolling out, you know, the ability for dispensaries to open and things like that. Where are we, where do we stand and where do you hope to go this year? Well, things are certainly moving at a slower pace, but we're patient. We're very, very patient because we recognize 
as a city that uh, the cannabis industry, the cannabis economy, has a huge economic potential. And we are already seeing uh, larger companies and smaller ones start to purchase uh, warehouse spaces, uh, vacant abandoned buildings, uh, with plans that we at the city are starting to see for complete renovation, whether that is for growing operations or packaging and shipping operations, uh, testing operations, all things that are needed as part of this uh, new cannabis cluster economy. And so we see the city of Jamestown as an opportunity to be a leader in bringing those businesses that support the cannabis industry. You know, sure, we'll, we'll definitely have uh, a couple retail dispensaries, which you would normally think of, uh, but we're really focusing on the much larger commercial production of cannabis as a manufacturing uh, industry, which is what we see it as. Now, we know that from the retail side, we're looking at anywhere, we're looking at around $500,000 or more in sales tax revenue for retail cannabis. But we're still trying to figure out what we're looking at in terms of just economic impact for the purchase of large buildings that are going to be um, multi-million dollar renovations, um, as well as, uh, you know, 100 or more jobs uh, here in the area uh, just for uh, growing cultivation and production operations. With the, uh, you were talking about purchasing buildings, and this wasn't something that was in your address, but you've talked about, do you... Uh, see going forward the possibility of a property tax uh, assessment go reassessment happening this year, or is that something you're looking at for beyond 2022? Well, we're certainly looking at it uh, to to start this year. Although it does take quite a long time to complete a full property assessment, uh, you know the reality is is that it's it has been quite a long time since the city has last reassessed property. Uh, and our estimates, our models, uh, working with various consultants, are actually showing that most people would uh, actually have a lower tax rate uh, if we were to uh, reval, uh, do a revaluation, uh, mostly because the dynamics of the city have shifted. There are other commercial properties that have now been, um, which were once under a pilot, uh, are now no longer. So to start to reshift that burden, even just a little bit, actually does provide uh, relief uh, to taxpayers and homeowners. Uh, but certainly it is a costly venture, and it's something that we would put forth uh, to the city council. Uh, but if we want to look at sustainability in the city, uh, as well as look at what most cities do, uh, they tend to have uh, revaluations happen every couple of years because the gap just starts to widen so much uh, over over the course of several years. Yeah, I think I I'd looked at uh, the, the reval or the ratings for several towns and villages around the county uh, in a county uh, legislative pre-file. And I was surprised to see how some are definitely, they're nowhere near even 50% in some cases. So, and I think the city is at, where, where is this, what percent valuation is the city at right now? Oh, I, I don't have that offhand. And I, I apologize. That's all right. Uh, I think we're, 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 we're somewhere up there. Okay. Uh, we're, we're definitely not at a hundred percent valuation mm -hmm. for sure. So uh, is there anything else from the State of the City address that you'd like to touch on before we move on to the next topic? Yeah, just one other thing. Uh, we, we talked about and mentioned in the address really the push for additional transportation this year. We talked about you know safe routes to schools and things like that. But one thing that we haven't talked about, uh, quite frankly, is a, a renewed push for air service 
here to the city of Jamestown. Uh, really focusing on working with the county and our, our state and federal partners uh, to bring back air service. Uh, at the same time, the city also recognizes, and I recognize, that we need uh, quality train service here. And so we've been working with both uh, private entities, private partners, as well as state and federal partners to look at a train service uh, from the city to Buffalo, Niagara Falls, and beyond. Um, we definitely see a market to tap into uh, from Canada, and uh, we are pushing very hard to make that happen, to really bring people in, not only for tourism, uh, but also get our folks moving. And we're, we're proud to continue working with uh, CARTS. Uh, you know, we were very excited to help them find a permanent home uh, here in the city, and we're excited to be, to be working with them uh, and continuing on their uh, campaign to uh, improve transportation uh, initiatives across the city. Mm-hmm. Going back into a, a topic that actually is related to property taxes, but it's of a different variety, uh, the State Appellate Court made a ruling Friday in regards to the annexation lawsuit between the city of Jamestown and town of Ellicott. Can you give us an explanation of what happened on, in that ruling and then what's next? Sure thing. So the, the ruling itself uh, is, is quite short uh, and is very technical in nature. Uh, the uh, Appellate Court was ruling on a, on a motion uh, to dismiss that argued that you know, proper procedure wasn't filed uh, or followed. Uh, the appellate court has uh, ruled uh, against the town of Ellicott, uh, Village of Falconer, and Falconer School District. Uh, so therefore, the case now goes back uh, to the uh, local Supreme Court in Chautauqua County. Uh, and we are uh, hopeful that once that happens, a referee panel uh, will be picked and the, um, uh, the case will continue uh, in its normal manner. Okay. So in terms of, and we've had this story on in, in over the last month, is that the court was ruling on uh, the proper, I call it the property demarcation line, that the argument that Tana Ellicott had that the BPU's parcel wasn't adjacent to or contiguous to the city of Jamestown. And so they ruled that, no, the city was fine in that regard. Is that accurate to say? Yeah. So the, the, the whole uh, ruling was on a uh, initially a, a decision um, by the judge uh, that uh, there was uh, that the city was appropriate in their interactions of the demarcation line, right, and had the authority to continue forward uh, with the annexation process. Uh, now that uh, the uh, that has been uh, affirmed, uh, that the the case will continue forward. The annexation case will continue. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it's going back to uh, state supreme court here in Chautauqua County, and that's. It's one of those things with this with court cases trying to follow through how everything goes through the process. So, is the city going to be re-arguing its case that uh, this is a necessary case uh, for to be able to annex this property? Does it start back again in Supreme Court? Nope, it won't start back again. Uh, what will happen is the process will uh, continue. It was originally ruled that a referee panel would be. Uh, uh, would be started. Uh, the process was stopped when an appeal was taken on the judge's decision. Uh, now that the court has uh, ruled that the case can go forward, it goes back to the judge in Chautauqua County, and they will go through the process of starting to do a referee panel, which then does hear the entire case. Okay. Uh, we were talking about revaluations, and I know the town of Ellicott, they did a proper property revaluation recently. Have you heard anything about, has that affected 
any of the numbers that we've been reporting on in terms of the value of the parcel owned by the BPU in the town of Ellicott or anything like that? You know, I, I don't have that information uh, on hand, and uh, I apologize for that. I did put you on the spot there. I didn't give you a heads up about that one. So, but okay. So that's something we'll have to check back with you on later. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next topic. Uh, we last night was the January is when I'm talking to you. Last night was the voting session for city council for January. And there was a lot that happened. And one of the biggest things that happened is that we saw city council vote down the contract with the Jamestown Professional Firefighters Association, but also they voted for the Kendall Club PBA's contract. Can you give us a response again? We, we did have you on the news uh, this morning, but you know, could you give us another response of what is happening now that the, um, the firefighters contract has been voted down? You know, there, it was a strange evening, and uh, we saw that the police contract uh, was uh, voted up and the fire contract was voted down. Uh, to give uh, your listeners just a little bit of better understanding, um, the fire contract included a provision that would add four new firefighters and run a, a second ambulance. In exchange, uh, the firefighter, firefighters decided uh, that they would be willing to give up lifetime health care for their members. Police and fire are the only two unions that continue to have uh, the lifetime health care uh, promise that the city made um, uh, several decades ago. Now, the uh, police were unwilling to uh, negotiate that out. And I shouldn't say they were unwilling, um, that we weren't necessarily willing to pay what they were asking for in order to remove that. Uh, but with the firefighters, we recognize that there is an EMS crisis, and it's something that has been occurring for quite a long time. And as a way to uh, try to make a step forward, uh, we had made a deal to uh, add four new uh, firefighters to our city uh, staff. Now, uh, the council has voted against it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm quite uh, disheartened uh, and quite disappointed that they would choose to do that, uh, especially when it gives us an opportunity to add not only an additional ambulance in the city, uh, but four new firefighters to help fires, as um, your listeners probably may, have, may know. There's been a lot of fires this year on top of an increased need for ambulance service. So I'm, I'm disappointed at the city council. Certainly we'll continue to work with the um, firefighters union, uh, but they have every right now to go to a um, an arbitration proceeding, uh, which will be a, a fairly costly lawsuit uh, against the city uh, for, um, for their contract. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you brought up and mentioned last night is that and one of the concerns that council members brought up is that the cost for... Um, the four firefighters, even with the increased revenue from the ambulance that maybe it wouldn't balance out. And is there, is there, was there a break even point between, you know, the possible revenue that we saw coming in from the second ambulance and the cost for adding these four firefighters? Well, I want to step back on that comment just a minute and, and recognize that you're never going to break even public safety, and you should never consider the need to break even for public safety, right? As, as a government, that is our number one priority is the health and safety of our residents. And although we do have budgets and amounts coming in, um, we need to recognize the fact that we're never going to break even, and we should never consider 
um, our employees as collateral to break even. Uh, so I, I don't agree with that, but, but in terms of the numbers, um, absolutely. It's going to cost us more than we're going to bring in for revenue uh, to add for new firefighters. Uh, but we are also going to see revenue, um, and we're also going to see a huge savings in the removal of lifetime health care. Although it will take us several years to see that savings, our actuarials projected about over $2 million per new hire we hire in the city uh, to save uh, on an average annual basis. And that's, that's tremendous. That's absolutely tremendous to remove a provision that continues to have a legacy cost on the city. You know, when you look at your tax bill, and I, and I looked at mine uh, not too long ago, you know, the majority of every dollar I spend in taxes is going to retiree health care. And so for us to find an opportunity uh, and for the union to agree to remove that, as well as us add uh, staff that could provide life-saving medical care and fight fires, is really an opportunity that we, we shouldn't look at dollars and cents. We should look at protecting the community. With uh, you, uh, understanding the comment that, you know, that you're not going to break even, where does the additional funds what, where do they come from to fund those firefighter positions if there's not the revenue on the other side, um, you know, making it whole, so to say, because sure. that, knowing that the city does have to present a, uh, you have to present a, a balanced budget in your presentation, you know, for uh, each year. So uh, is there a place you propose that the money comes from? Is it a, is it a situation where you raise taxes? What happens? Certainly. Certainly. So uh, it, it, it is a combination of things. We project out what we will most likely have to pay over the next, uh, you know, five six years, and if you adjust for uh, uh, the growth rate of housing, and if you also to include a revaluation, uh, which does raise uh, not raise the amount of uh, tax levy, uh, as well as the amount of uh, funding coming in, it, it really does kind of ease itself out when you also add in revenue from an ambulance. So the city is looking at, from one ambulance this year, about $200,000 in revenue. Uh, with the second ambulance, we'd be looking at 400000 to $500,000 each year in additional revenue, uh, which would make that gap uh, much smaller uh, for us to fund. Okay. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to add about either the, um, the council contracts or anything else going on with city government that we're not aware of yet? No, we just, uh, we continue to follow it. Uh, and you know, we'll, uh, we'll continue to try to, to make changes in government as needed as we, as we modernize the city. All right. Mayor Sunquist, thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much, Julia.